everybody, and welcome to Shift F1A. Podcast about speedy race cars? No, A, like E-H, like Canadians oh, say. sorry. I was, like, hey. is this a, I was like, is this a new intro we're doing? Is that, I hey, yeah, it's a, it's a call and response. <laughs> where I throw it to you. You didn't get the, the email with the, the show <laughs> run? I was also, to be honest, already reeling from the fact that you were speaking English to me. It was well, all just the whole intro was very, uh, very new, and I don't like new. I'm old mm. now, Drew. I'm 31 well, years old. I don't wow. like new. That's so old. Uh, <laughs> I am Drew Scanlon. Should I talk now? Is that my call to action? Yes, that's I am in- Daniel Dwyer. Sorry, I forgot to change the cue card. <laughs> uh, and this is, as as mentioned, a podcast about speedy race cars. Welcome. 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 Uh, Today, we will be talking about the race coming up this weekend, Canada. We sure will. Uh, But before we do so, Danny O'Dwyer, I hear you've got um, some things to say about another famous Canadian. I do. Another. Another, as opposed to the circuit. Right. That's a famous Canadian. (laughs) So how ironic, in fact, that we'll be talking about the person who is named after the circuit. That's Mm. not how that went. It's the other way around. The circuit's (laughs) named after him. Um, Circuit de Gilles Villeneuve, uh, we've been calling it for the past uh, couple of years. Um, uh, But we haven't actually talked about that man himself, Gilles Villeneuve, who's uh, one of Canada's most beloved sports stars uh, of all time, um, who is sadly no longer with us, but had uh, a successful career in Formula One, was the most uh, successful Canadian F1 driver uh, for his time and for a long time. Um, Eclipsed now by some others who we'll talk about as well. but yeah, I thought it'd be a good uh, time to jump in and do another one of these um, driver retrospectives. Can I ask you, do you know anything about Gilles Villeneuve, first of all? Because he's one of these ones who I kind of feel like doesn't really get brought up a lot at all. No, I mean, I've only heard him in context of the circuit and mm. things that you've mentioned about him. Uh, I, I honestly don't hear his name said a lot on, on broadcasts, uh, right. unlike you know Schumacher or any of those guys. Yeah, I think probably the main reason for that is that he actually never won a championship. Um, mm-hmm. He did race with Ferrari for a number of years, um, and McLaren as well, actually, for a time um, when he first came into the sport. Uh, but yeah, that's that's probably one of the reasons. He's one of these drivers who, you know, there are there are drivers throughout lots of eras in F1 who will be fondly remembered and thought of, even though, though they never won a championship. Uh, Felipe Massa comes to mind in, in the sort of the, the current spectrum of drivers we have. Um, but Gilles Villeneuve was born in 1950, and uh, January 18 to Capricorn like myself although hilariously he used to always tell people that he was born in 52 because he was embarrassed by the fact that he was um, 27 years old by the time he broke into F1 <laughs> um, kind of thought that maybe people would think he was too old uh, <laughs> to drive so he pawned himself off as a 25 year old um, he was born just outside of Montreal in a town called I believe it's Richelieu um, he used to enter local drag races uh, in his Mustang and win them pretty handily uh, but he got bored of that pretty quickly and then ended up driving in other uh, racing disciplines like Formula Ford. Um, had a pretty successful Formula Atlantic career. He won the Canadian and US championships in 1976. Uh, but there wasn't really all that much money in that stuff. Uh, apparently the thing, though, that like brought in the bucks for him was he was amazing at snowmobile racing. <laughs> Really? I, you know what? I can see that bringing in the bucks in Canada. <laughs> right? Uh, apparently to the point where he was saying he's de- a world champion snow machine racer. But, I mean, yeah, world champion in the same way that like if you win the World Series, you're like the world champion in baseball. Oh, I see. 
Um, yeah, I mean, he used to race in, in his uh, native province of Quebec, uh, but apparently it wasn't just like winning fees. He'd actually demand upfront money for appearing at these events. That's how good he was. <laughs> wow. Um, so he rose, he ra- raced in that, but, uh, you know, obviously single-seater stuff was, was the most important thing to getting him in F1. And in fact, it was the Formula Atlantic stuff. His brother, actually, Jacques, uh, Jacques Villeneuve, uh, raced in Formula Atlantic, uh, Can-Am, and in Kart as well. Um, so the two of them were, were prolific uh, race Kart drivers. the American Open Wheel Series. Um, or in Karting. Kart, Is it all capitals? C-A-R-T? Yeah, that is... The indie yeah. car sort of stepbrother, right? Yeah, that that whole thing uh, <laughs> <laughs> has a strange lineage. But at, when Cart was big, it was effectively uh, indie car. Right. Okay. Yeah. So he he raced in that, um, um, and uh, he uh, uh, Gilles is a son. Uh, he actually named him after his brother Jacques. Okay, uh, that's Jacques. where a lot of my confusion comes from. Yes. I hear about Jacques Villeneuve a lot. Yes, and that, that that is the not the elder in F one that tends to be the junior anyway. Got it. Um, so apparently there was like some sort of invitational non championship Formula Atlantic race which happened in Canada in seventy six, um, and it was there that Villeneuve impressed James Hunt um, and several other Grand Prix drivers, uh, and that's basically what got him his seat in McLaren uh, for McLaren um, in seventy seven at the British Grand Prix. Uh, he qualified ninth in the old McLaren M twenty three, which actually split uh, Jochen Mass and James Hunt, uh, who were driving in the new versions, the uh, M twenty six. Um, he raced a couple of races that season, but was ultimately dropped the next season uh, in favor of Patrick Tambay, uh, apparently because uh, he was looking to be a bit too expensive. So I'm not sure if at that stage in his life he was like, look, it's taken me this long to get into F1. I'm going to make it worth my while. But uh, I mean, McLaren- when you're negotiating a contract for a new job, you bring up all your past stuff. And he had all this, you know, yeah. I, I show up and the snow machine, snow machine people <laughs> pay me this much. I'm demanding. I mean, you don't never want to put yourself back, you know, because it's hard to make. Yeah, make I up want the- free. I want free boots. I want free scarves. Mm-hmm. I want all that that hot branding. Goggles. Can't can't race without goggles, no matter what you're in. <laughs> Snowmobile or otherwise. Snowmobile's a single seater, right? Uh, <laughs> like, you can you like, can put multiple people on the back. That's open wheel racing. Yeah, well, open <laughs> open tread. Open tread racing. Yeah. And it's open wheel because of... Is it open wheel because... I always forget this. It's open wheel because of the wheels themselves, not because of the steering wheel, right? Yes. The yeah. wheels are outside the body the, of the yes. car. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. Have you ever um, been in a snowmobile? Um, no. It's never. It's so much fun. I've it's, only done it once, and my hands got really, really cold. No. It's like... It's like... Um, is it like jet skiing? Yes. It's like jet okay. skiing, but snow all over the place. Snow skiing. Yeah. Me and my wife ate it uh, when we were on our honeymoon on a jet ski. <laughs> we went around this entire island uh, in French Polynesia. And at one stage, we were like just getting into like sea, into like the actual waves. And, you know, you're basically like on a jet ski. You're, you're just trying to make sure you skirt along the top as much as possible. Uh-huh. That you don't like, you know, go into the belly of a wave. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we launched off of one, the top of one wave. And I was like, uh oh. And we went like into the belly of the next one. Ooh. And we came up, uh, both of us, without our sunglasses and hat. Uh, Actually, no, my sunglasses are still on. Uh, I got my cap back because they float, but her uh, her sunglasses are at the bottom of like a hundred meter. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> down in, in 
French Polynesia. I did a, a similar move uh, on Lake Tahoe one time with some friends. I was driving, and the guy who rented the jet ski to me said, if you slow down, don't turn. Well, there was oh. some guy like going uh, perpendicular to our path, and no. so I slowed down, and then... Uh, and then I turned and Did you flip. I threw all three of us like catapulted oh. off of the jet ski, <laughs> like twenty feet. <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying. But uh, yeah, they they float jet skis. Turns yeah. out you can just float people, over people too. Yeah, yes. Generally. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, Wear your life jackets, kid. I know, right? Well, so he presumably went back to snowboard, a snowmobiling. I don't know what happened in the um, uh, the intervening months, but he ended up coming back at the end of that season uh, to fill in for Nicky Lauda, who won the championship and basically dropped a mic by retiring before the season was over. Wait, <laughs> he t- before yeah, the season was over? Yeah, Lauda won the '77 season with Ferrari, but basically like left his seat for the last two races because he had already won. Um, I don't think I sure realized that. I'd- yeah. Um, wow. Wait, was that uh, in the movie? I don't think so. Mm. <laughs> um, so he filled in for him on the last two uh, uh, races and then uh, took the seat, I guess. I'm not sure if it was Lauda's seat specifically, but he took the uh, vacant seat um, in 1978 as well. Um, and uh, yeah, that was kind of his first real uh, go at, at F1 driving uh, for Ferrari. Um, he had a he had a sort of a succession of retirements in that opening season. He was struggling with the the Michelin radial tires that were out that year, um, and the Italian fans weren't particularly happy with him. But Ferrari uh, stuck with him. He ended up coming second in Italy, um, and then uh, uh, at the season ending, then Canadian Grand Prix, uh, the circuit of Notre Dame Island in Montreal, which has been now named after him. Um, he won his first Grand Prix after Jean Pierre Jarier's Lotus actually stopped um, before the end of the race. Uh, to date, he remains the only Canadian to win that race. Wow. The Canadian Grand Prix. Um, uh, Jody Schechter joined him in 1979 at Ferrari, and the two of them had a really good sort of competitive uh, uh, year, I'd say, maybe a couple of years. Um, Villeneuve might have actually won the championship that year if he had ignored team orders to beat Schechter at the Italian Grand Prix. Um, he was very, he, he was kind of like a good team player. He listened to his engineers. Um, he wasn't that much of a wild card, uh, but he chose to finish behind him, uh, ending his own championship challenge. They were first and second that year. Schechter, I think, only bet him by four points. Um, but that year during he was really good on wet like a lot of race drivers that we, that we enjoy and fan favourites uh, during there's a great piece here during the extremely wet Friday practice session for the season ending United States Grand Prix that year uh, Williams set a time uh, variously reported to be either 9 or 11 seconds faster than anyone else whoa um, his teammate Schechter who was second fastest recalled that uh, I scared myself rigid that day I thought I had the quickest then I saw Gilles's time and I still don't really understand how it was possible 11 seconds Uh, 1980 was not a great season for Ferrari he only scored 6 points and the team didn't do very well in the Constructors' Championship uh, 81 fair a little bit better 25 points uh, and then 82 was his final uh, season him and um, uh, Peroni had a sort of a, a difficult time at, um, at I believe was it the San Marino or was it, was it Zolder I forget um, actually let me make sure I've got this in the right order 
Oh yeah, that's what it was. The San Marino Grand Prix, him and Peroni had this sort of um, who was his teammate. Uh, they, I think they were low on gas or something, and basically the pit wall told them both to slow down. Uh, Villeneuve interpreted that as slow down and you know remain keep position. Um, Peroni interpreted that as just slow down. So he actually overtook his teammate. Um, you know, obviously not as good of uh, listening to the engineers as as uh, uh, Gilles is. Um, Gilles then re-overtook him uh, and didn't think anything of it. He thought that Peroni was just trying to like excite the fans, <laughs> like the Italian <laughs> fans that are at the San uh-huh. Marino Grand Prix. Uh, and then on the final corner, I think it was, Peroni threw himself um, down the inside and overtook him uh, to win the race. Uh, and uh, Gilles was not very happy with it uh, whatsoever. Um, uh, then in the next race, um, on May 8th, 1982, um, which was the, the day he died, sadly, uh, they were racing at the uh, then-Belgian Grand Prix at Zolder. Um, of course, not Spa-Frankenstamps. Um, during qualification, with eight minutes left uh, on the session, Villeneuve came over a rise after the first chicane and caught Jock and Mass travelling pretty slowly. Uh, Mass saw him coming and was basically trying to move out of the way, um, but they both went to the right uh, on the racing line and... Um, or sorry, they were off the racing line and Villeneuve crashed into the back of him, uh, was launched into the air at somewhere between 120 and 140 miles an hour. It's about 200 kilometers an hour. Um, was airborne for 100 meters before he nosedived into the ground. Um, sadly, though, he was actually uh, ejected from the car without his helmet um, and thrown about 50 meters into a catch fence. Jeez. Um, several drivers stopped at the scene when it happened. Uh, Dr. Watson, uh, John Watson, of course, we know, um, and Derek Wallach uh, pulled up, uh, took him off the catch, catch fence. Apparently, he wasn't breathing, but he'd still had a, a pulse. Um, he was intubated, brought to the hospital, and he was kept on life support, but they figured out he had a, a fractured neck, um, uh, and he died that night at 9 o'clock uh, with six wins for Ferrari on, the, on May 8th, 1982. Um, at the funeral in Berthesville, his his former teammate Jody Schechter um, who saw him beat him by 11 seconds in the rain said I will miss Gilles for two reasons first he was the most genuine man I have ever known second he was the fastest driver in the history of motor racing but now he's gone the memory of what he has done though uh, what he achieved will always be there um, there's actually a bunch of different sort of um, memorials I guess or in remembrances for Villeneuve um, especially in Italy at the uh, Autodrome Renzo Ferrari uh, the venue of the San Marino Grand Prix a corner was named after him uh, and a Canadian flag is painted on the third slot of the racing grid uh, from where he started his final race oh wow um, there's also a bronze bust of him at the entrance uh, to the Ferrari test track uh, in Fiorano uh, at Zalder where the, the, the corner where he lost his life uh, has been turned into a chicane now and uh, named after him um, he never won a championship but uh, he did give birth to the first ever Canadian um, well he didn't actually give birth to the first ever Canadian he helped in the birth yeah. of the first ever Canadian champion uh, Jacques Villeneuve his son became Formula 1 champion in 1997 and today he's the only Canadian to win an F1 World Championship wow yeah so Gilles's legacy lives on um, and yeah his brother Jacques is uh, still alive as well to this day Excellent. Well, great. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, after hearing all that, it totally makes sense to name an entire circuit after him. Uh, totally. It's like, especially, you know what it's like when a country has like a champion, 
Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like that that happens to a lot of countries. That's a very familiar thing with Ireland. You know, every once in a while you have like you have one good, you know, swimmer or boxer in thirty years. And right. they sort of define that sport. Um and Gilles Villeneuve and certainly his family, uh, you know, is the definition of Canadian F one racing, definitely. Well let's talk about the circuit, Danny. Sure. Circuit de Gilles Villeneuve. Um, I've always wanted to go to this one. This is the one that I feel like if we, if, if I could game it, it's just the problem is that it's always on during E3. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, the worst possible timing. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, I mean, we've talked about it a thousand times, so it's difficult to sort of come up with anything new about it. Sure. But uh, it's probably my favorite track, maybe. Really? Okay. Um, I really like it a lot. I love watching it. It's often a very exciting race. Of course, we had that hilarious 2011 race with uh, with Jensen Button mm-hmm. um, and and Sebastian Vettel. And we'll say nothing else about that. If you haven't watched it yet, go and watch it. Um, incredibly exciting. Lots of red flags. Uh, it tends to rain up there um, fairly consistently, um, and it's just a good track because there's there's like there's a complicated sort of topsy turvy part of the track, which is the road that is genuinely you know being used 24 seven in this park. It's 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 like Ile de France. It's it's basically an island in the middle of um, of the river, um, and one side of it is just a park, and they have roads on it, and that's like the first you know section and a half, or maybe uh, two sections of of the race course, and then the third one on the casino straight is this huge Dioresso, which comes off. Um, a rather uh, wonderful slow corner on turn 10. Um, and the best thing about that is at the end of that DRS straight, uh, the the long straight, it actually technically has a turn in it, even though it's like the tiniest little kink to the right. Um, there is a chicane, and uh, on the exit of that chicane on the right, there is a wall. And that wall has seen a lot of champions crash into it. Um, and it's always fun during qualification and during the race to, to see people scuff up against. They always have a high-speed camera looking at the exit of turn yeah. 14. Um, it was originally named Wall of Champions because it was Schumacher, uh, Hill, and Jacques Villeneuve all hit it in one race. Um, <laughs> and they were all champions. Um, but since then, a bunch more people have Nico Rosberg, uh, Juan Pablo Montoya, uh, Jensen Button, of course, Sebastian Vettel as well. Um, uh, in fact, like, and it's it's. The, the, I kind of look at this track and remember crashes everywhere. There was that ridiculous Alonso beaching himself on four. There was that really bad one with Massa where he almost collected Vettel on the first turn. Do you remember that where he clipped somebody Ooh, going over yes. the start finish line and Vettel like didn't turn to his left and let him fly past before mm-hmm. taking the the turn. Um, there was Weber and I think Vettel had a coming together on the rather peculiar pit lane exit here, which actually jumps the first turn, kind of like um, Abu Dhabi a bit. Actually, Abu Dhabi skips the first two turns, I think, um, uh, at the at Virage uh, Senna. Um, yeah, Robert and I guess I had a bad one. What'd you say? Robert Kubica had a bad one in 2007. Oh, you're right. I forgot yeah. Kubica's crash coming it down into the... Um, what would you call that? It's not a chicane. What, would you call, what do you call that? What do you call a little... The hairpin? Hairpin. Sorry, yeah, the yeah. hairpin at turn 10. Yeah, he, you come out of the, the, the section before that relatively fast. Um, yeah, and he, he really clipped that. That would be a great place to watch it, actually, right there. Yeah, the that hairpin. Turn. Totally. Get some, get some overtakes. Um, 
Yeah, it reminds me of Monza a little bit, those early parts, because it's got, it's in a little forest kind of, or like the maybe the first section of Melbourne, where you've got trees overhead and it's quite shaded and um, that's kind of what the, the first section is, is predominantly like, or the second part of the first section, the first part of the second. And yeah, I mean, Wall of Champions, the hairpin, it's one of these circuits that if you watch a couple of laps in, you actually really get to know which is, what parts are where. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot um, of visually distinct turns. And I think maybe that's why I warmed to it initially, is that kind of like tracks like Monza and Monaco, it's very distinct. Um, and it has a stupid corner at the end, like Monza as well. Quite <laughs> like. It's got character. Although, it does. It has a lot going for it. And the Canadian fans are super fun as well. Uh, it rains and they all keep sitting there waiting for the race to start. So. Right, especially uh, even when the red flag lasts for three yeah. hours or whatever it was. It's an absolute delight. So. Yeah, it, it's a cool circuit. It's By virtue of it being kind of half a road course, mm. you get the best of both worlds. You get like these really fast sweeping sections that you you know get to ha- have become accustomed to with regular circuits and then you get these really narrow close not a lot of runoff uh areas uh from from street circuits so it's this this great blend yeah it's super it's been the race track uh the predominant one for canada since uh 78 okay um so it's by far the most popular one um and yeah hamilton pretty good got pole position on podium last year uh nico rosberg holds the the fastest lap on here, one fifteen point five nine nine, which I suspect we will see broken. Um, it's a seventy lap course, and uh, Ferrari uh, hold the most wins with McLaren at thirteen apiece. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can get that up to fourteen this year. Shumi actually has the most wins here with seven, and most of those I'm guessing was in a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, the official F1 Twitter account uh, tweeted a. Um, like a, a collection or a, a history, basically, of of Ooh. Lewis Hamilton's uh, performance there, and it basically goes. Um, let me see if I can find it here. It basically alternates between him winning. Yeah, here we go. Two thousand seven, and then trophy emoji. Two thousand eight, retired. Two thousand ten, trophy emoji. Two thousand eleven, retired. 2012 trophy emoji. 2013, I think that's a third place emoji. 2014 oh retired. 2015 trophy. 2016 trophy. So uh, he is he's all or nothing on camera. Oh Canada. my god, that's so good. <laughs> all or nothing. Yeah. Uh, speaking of rain, Danny, let's talk about the forecast. Yeah, how are we looking? Shall we? Qualifying looks to be in the low 60s or high teens if you're Celsius. Thank uh, you. With a with a light wind. And 50% humidity. Okay. On race day, however, it will be slightly warmer with uh, stronger winds at uh, 10 miles an hour or 16 kilometers per hour mm. and a 35% chance of rain. That's good. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's okay. That's 35% chance of fun. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, tires, uh, just like Monaco, the favorite tire for Canada appears to be the Ultra Soft. Mm. Um, the other options are super soft and soft. Um, so yeah, every everyone is choosing to take between seven and nine sets of ultra soft uh, for their total of thirteen sets. So a, a vast majority. Um, the exception is McLaren, where both drivers have opted to take ten sets of ultra soft. Jeez. Uh, most drivers are taking one or two sets of the softs. Uh, Veriline being the only exception with three. That's uh, very different. That's right. Jeez, that's uh, cool. <laughs> uh, 
Fettel, Raikkonen, and Botas are all taking three sets of super soft. Hamilton's taking four, and Red Bull's uh, Ricardo and Verstappen are each taking five sets of these super softs, uh, opting for a relatively even split of the tires for, mm. for that weekend. Um, let's take it to news. What do you say? I'd love to hear some news. I'm sick of this uh, old... Talking about a bunch of old drivers and <laughs> race courses. What's this new? Is the hottest new. Something fresh. Well, uh, speaking of Canada, uh, Honda's Celine engine. Dion. Yes, going to new racer for Honda. What? Did you know she got her start in Eurovision? I did know that. Yes, despite being there. Canadian, I think she I was like, there. Swiss she was, citizenship or something. Oh, was it that she was tax haven? She was a tax haven singer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. This is from uh, Racer.com. The original plan was uh, for Honda to update its power unit in Montreal with the circuit Gilles Villeneuve, a very power-sensitive track. As we mentioned, mm. there's a lot of straights and stuff. Mm. Um, so a updated power unit would be quite beneficial to Honda. Or just one that doesn't break down. Yeah, how about just, that? It doesn't have to be faster. Just Well... Uh, they actually say uh, the manufacturer has been hit by a number of reliability issues so far this season, as well as a lack of performance. And head of project uh, Yusuke Hasegawa admits a new engine will only be taken if it provides a big enough step forward. Mm. So he says, quote, it is not sure. Until Thursday before Canada, I can't decide. Already we have had some performance factors, but if it's very small, it's not worth changing the engine for the next one. Mm. Uh, we will introduce it as soon as we are ready. If we have to give up on Canada, then we will introduce it in Baku. And if not then, then we go to Austria or Silverstone. Baku. Interestingly, Zach Brown, in an interview with Reuters, says, Honda's working very hard, but they seem a bit lost. <laughs> uh, he is, by the way, the executive director at McLaren. Yeah. That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, I mean he goes on to say we are entering that window now of which way do you go when you come to a fork in the road the fork away from honda yes because this uh, year didn't work either like this was supposed to be the last chance yeah um, he, he says thought. a year in formula one is an eternity three yeah. years is a decade which i don't know if the math works <laughs> no, out no. there zach <laughs> but I, I know what you're saying yeah uh, and you just can't go on forever uh, Honda spokespeople were not immediately available for comment. This is like a it's like a public celebrity divorce. It really is. Yeah, I mean, like, he he even mentioned apparently uh, Red Bull and 2009 champions Braun GP as examples of customer teams who won the titles. Quote: mm. Do you do I think you can win with a customer engine? I think you can. Uh, Honda contribute more than $100 million a year to McLaren's budget, according to informed sources, and some have questioned whether the team can afford to lose such sums uh, mm. in the event that they split ties with Honda. But um, Brown said the reality was that McLaren had lost some big long-term sponsors and significant prize money in the last three years. Quote, when you actually look at the impact of the loss of Formula One payments, and the loss of sponsorship, uh, it starts to diminish the commercial benefits of what Honda brings to the table. Mm. And when you start to net it out, it doesn't have quite the commercial benefit it might appear from the outside. Plus, like, upwards trajectory is so important, <laughs> like, sport and business. Yeah. Like, even if they're breaking even, it's still better for them to be, you know, not in that situation, but actually looking like they're exciting. Like, that's what, you know, brings in new sponsors and, and gets people caring about the team again. 
and right. this is like the worst this is like such bad PR this whole thing is a total disaster it's now like it's now like past interesting like last year it was like interesting at least where it's like oh my god the Honda engine's so bad still and they've got all these amazing drivers now it's just sad yeah it just sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, going off to Indy. Like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Yeah, they really need to jump the, the jump ship with this now at this stage. Yeah, I, I think literally any other engine. Yeah, would uh, would be better. Um, speaking of spats, what do you, what did the, what does the UK call them? Rows. Yeah, a spat or row. Um, um, Such a um, weird. I heard I hear the BBC say row, and it always is row weird. Row's weird. You don't know what row is? First of all, it's, I know what it, well, I've inferred from context, but no mm. one says row in America. You had a row. Yeah, I had a so row. It's like row, so it's confusing. Yeah, but you probably stick it, we stick a U in there probably. Row. Row, yeah. Uh, yes, speaking of rows, Hamilton said some disparaging things about IndyCar, and I, <laughs> I generally think... Why? I, I, you know, I, I generally think Hamilton's comments often get blown out of proportion. Yes. Um. So uh, I, you know, I, but did he say fuck IndyCar? Is that what he said? Well, almost. <laughs> he. Uh, I only include this because of the sick burn issued in response by oh, IndyCar great. driver Tony Kanaan, uh is just too good to pass up. So uh, this is from F1i.com. Hamilton took a jive at Fernando Alonso's levels of performance in qualifying for the Indy 500, saying, I looked at the times, and frankly, for his first ever qualifying, for Fernando to be fifth, what does that say about Indy? Uh, a great driver, if he cannot win in Formula One, will look for other races to win. But to see him fifth against drivers who are uh, in the series all year is interesting. Mm. Uh, but Tony Kanaan took the opportunity to hit back on Monday, evening at the traditional Indy 500 banquet. Uh, quote, what can I say? The guy, referring to Hamilton, uh, the guy competed in a two-car world championship last year and was second. So I don't <laughs> think he can say much. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Uh, he added, it was a pleasure to have Fernando here. He is humble, not like some of his colleagues who were making comments this month. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sick burn. Sick burn. Speaking of sick burns, uh, Eddie Jordan said some dumb thing about uh, Mercedes claiming that they would revert to being an engine supplier and cut their factory F1 team at the end of right. 2018. Uh, Jordan's quote, this is from F1 Fanatic, uh, reported in Auto Build Motorsport, following the Monaco Grand Prix, prompted a firm denial from the team's executive director, Toto Wolff. Quote, Monaco is a place where people like to party, and it seems like somebody did a bit too much of that. <laughs> the reports are completely baseless and reflect nothing more than the mischievous speculation of one individual. He is mm. mischievous. He is mischievous. I would say that. If there was ever an Irish person that was probably most like a leprechaun, I would say it's Eddie Jordan. <laughs> he is mischievous and kind of full of shit, and I wouldn't let my kids alone with him. <laughs> you can see him like drumming his fingers together. Yeah. Very easy. So, yeah, plotting. Wearing a um, different shirt underneath the rainbow every day. It's very, his pot of gold is full of shirts. <laughs> Golden loud shirts. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Robert Kubica, earlier, as we did, um, mm. he, so he, you may know more about his history than, than I, but he mm. was a, an F1 driver. Correct. Um, and he was actually driving in the World Rally Championship for a while where mm. he injured his hand. Yes. He did. He, uh, very badly. He like he he broke his like wrist. Like almost lost, it, right? Yeah, almost lost his hand. But he's like he also he did. He's lost like 
basically most movement in I think it's his left hand isn't it I don't know I think yeah I think it's it was shattered basically um yeah right after he had that really bad crash in Montreal he actually was fine from that um uh, he had a night overnight or whatever and had a bit of recovery but uh, yeah it was it was in the off season he actually damaged his hand and then couldn't come back to F1 because of it yeah, well, uh, he had not come back to F1 until recently, where oh, really? Renault allowed him to do 115 laps in a 2012 uh, then Lotus car. Huh. Uh, I think this was, it was in the works for a long time. I think Kibitza said like a year or something he's been preparing for this. Um, it's not really clear why, maybe just you know, potentially just to get him in the car to see if he can do it, uh, mm. you know, in the event that he would be able to come back if the stars aligned and, and maybe drive for Renault. I don't know. Mm. Um, but they, Renault kind of made it seem like a one-off, um, not necessarily, uh, you know, anything with um, uh, you know, future plans or anything. Yeah. Uh, but Kubica said uh, this from Autosport, uh, for me, it has been an important day from an emotional point of view. It has been a long time away from the paddock, and I have been through some difficult periods. I kept working hard, and a few years ago, I felt it was impossible uh, to come back to F1. I have mixed feelings. I am proud of what I achieved today, but it also shows what I've lost. Mm. Uh, I don't know what the future will bring, but I know one thing. After working for more than one year to prepare for this, I ran with good pace and consistent in difficult conditions. Uh, it is not easy after six years, but I know... I knew I could do the job and I could be satisfied. Mm. So, it, you know, it would be cool to, to have a comeback story like that. And apparently, yeah. you know, doing 115 laps, it's it's certainly possible. It's certainly sell more energy energy drinks. <laughs> That's right. I forgot. He has his own in <laughs> Poland, right? Yeah. Him and Mike Tyson's black. That's right. Most popular energy drinks in Poland, I'm <laughs> going to say. Uh, no, very few people could, uh, could doubt you on that one. Yeah. Although I'm sure there's some shift F1s. Uh, listeners in Poland. You should do a trip there. <laughs> Thirty yeah. of them will probably turn up and you'll play Jackbox until three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. We, two more here. Um, F1 Fanatic did a really good job of laying out what they think have been the best moves so far from Liberty Media in changing Formula One. Oh, yeah. Um, so they, they mentioned uh, social media. Um, they've relaxed the rules and put more stuff out on social media themselves. Formula One has mm. uh, in-person stuff like fan festivals, uh, more paddock passes for people, um, and rides in two-seater uh, Formula One cars. Or oh, I love not that Formula stuff, One, yeah. but like out, outboard or out. That's cool. Uh, what am I looking for? Open wheel cars. Uh, renaming Formula Two. Um, or renaming GP3, rather, to Formula 2. Uh, and they point out that they could probably, uh, they would, well, it would they would be best served renaming GP3, but since there's already a Formula 3, it'd be kind of a weird move. Mm. Um, uh, actually, thinking about the racing, which they uh, divide into allowing all teams into the strategy group, which makes sporting decisions, um, mm. and having Ross Braun as the dedicated sporting director. So, like, have, having an actual dude say like what how do we fix the racing or how do we make the racing as best it can be and i didn't actually know that not all teams were allowed into the strategy group uh, until right, now yeah. it was only like you know the the big boys and then people yeah. like force india uh, just oh we'll figure it out you guys just hang out <laughs> yeah. uh, jack i can't believe they did that yeah um 
making it better to watch with lower camera angles, uh, bigger numbers on the cars so you can tell who's who. Oh, really? And I'm interested in the lower camera angles. I hadn't noticed that, actually. Yeah, they've got a good comparison on uh, on uh, F1 Fanatic. I will I will That's link great. that. Um, and marketing. So way more press releases from F1 themselves. Uh, there was that Kimmy fan, <laughs> Thomas, <laughs> the crying kid. Yeah, that was good. Uh, they've allowed other series to support the Grand Prix with um, championship events and not exhibition races. So apparently, mm. like when supercars raced prior to now. Uh, at the Australian Grand Prix, it was like this one-off, like championship points didn't count. Right. For, I don't know what reason uh, mm. that they did that. But anyway, now it's it's not the case anymore. So supercars and the British Touring Car Championship uh, can go to, you know, the same race weekends and then have yeah. races that actually count to their own championships. That's cool. And uh, on the subject of... Uh, potential digital access to F1. Mm. Uh, Motorsport.com has an interview with Chase Carey where he says, uh, our goal is really going to be to engage the full spectrum of video platforms to find the right balance of reach and dollars. We're spending a lot of time with a whiteboard defining what's the product, uh, what is the experience, and what is going to be in that to motivate the hardcore F1 fan around the world to pay. We haven't priced it yet, but let's say, for example, 10 bucks a month to access that package. So creating a subscription package for the strongest F1 fans we think is a tremendously important opportunity. There are geographies that clearly just that are clearly just upsides to us, big countries like China and the US, that we're really just scratching the surface in. So I think he's... I pay $10 he, a month. Yeah, he, he's continuing to say <laughs> the right things about... Um, Digital stuff uh, over over the top, I think, is what the industry lingo is for those yeah. kinds of things. Um, kind of the middle middleman. Yeah, he he also goes on in that article, uh, and I can link that one too. Make a note here uh, to uh, discuss things like existing TV deals with people like Sky. Mm. Um, but it sounds like they're working on all of that, and it's it's all possible. It just may take a little time. So, what I've liked so far is whenever they've put, they put up a lot of YouTube highlight stuff now. It's like yes. pretty short, but the, but they're pretty good, um, and they do them like right after quali and all that sort of thing. But whenever they did race ones, they use the Sky broadcasters, and that gets me hopeful because then because I I love Brundle um, a lot, um, and uh, that gets me hopeful because I like the idea that like maybe that's what they'll end up using as you know maybe like that's the part of the deal feed. with Sky. Yeah, exactly. Is that they use their feed? Um, I'd like that a lot. Yes. Uh, I yes. I look forward to any movement on that. Hmm. Um, and finally, uh, Forbes made a list of all the 100 richest athletes, and three F1 dudes are on it. So, ooh, can I guess who? Yes. Are they current drivers? Yes. Lewis Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Fernando Alonso. Mm-hmm. The current drivers? Yes. Raikkonen. No, Vettel. Vettel. Good okay. call. Right. Uh, Lewis is making $46 million a year. Yes. Vettel's making thirty-five or 38.5, and Fernando's making $36 million. Ooh. Um, nice. Interestingly, well, let's see. That's that's their pay, and then they have a different cal- column here for salary slash winnings. On a, oh, okay. Which I don't know the difference. Anyway, uh, 38. Oh, maybe this is total. That's total. Okay. Uh, but they've yeah they've broken out between salary and also endorsements. So Hamilton's making Alonso was actually, yeah. 
Hamilton's making eight million a year in endorsements. Uh, Fernando's making two million a year in endorsements, and oh. Federal's only making five hundred thousand in ah, endorsements. You know, which yeah, yeah, he just does like shake, shake, shake weights. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, shake, I would love to see a shake away commercial. And, and that's all he does. <laughs> the fresh maker. The fr- <laughs> uh, two NASCAR dudes are also on the list. Uh Jimmy Johnson and Junior making uh twenty one point eight and twenty one point four respectively. Nice. And I believe the overall, yeah, overall is uh Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh yeah. The soccerman. Portugal's own three million dollars. Well, he's got like a really stupid bust now in the airport that was named after him that makes it that looks nothing like him. So, oh, what was that? A bust? I thought you meant a bus. But yeah, he's got a bus. Just drives around. (laughs) Looks nothing like him. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, a lot of soccer, a lot of basketball, actually. Yeah, Uh, second most popular sport in the world. Apparently, judging yeah, by I this look, I, me and my friend actually did like a breakdown of what we we found like a thing that pooled together a lot of different data to make like these are the top you know fifty sports in the world. F one was actually fairly high; it was in like the top fifteen or something. It was ahead of golf, oh, which wow. we we couldn't believe. Uh, but yeah, soccer number one, and then basketball is number two. It's so big in parts of Europe and, and Asia. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah, a lot of basketball. Yeah, uh, Lewis Hamilton's 10th on this list, by the way. Right. Just ahead second? of... Second is LeBron James. Federer or something, is it? LeBron James, uh, all right. Then LeBron Messi James. at three. Okay. Uh, then Federer at four. Kevin Durant, nice. Andrew Luck, Rory McIlroy, Steph Curry. Wow, jeez. Lewis Hamilton. It's always weird when it's somebody from, like, your country. You're like Rory McIlroy. I could have gone to a school with a Rory McIlroy. He's from the north, yeah. Oh, really? I thought he was American. Nah, super Northern Irish. Hear him talk. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's that's news. That's a lot of that's a lot of money. Dem's the news. Dem's the news. Should we take it around the world, Danny? Let's do it. Let's have a race around the world. <laughs> Try not to make this microphone peak. <laughs> I forgot to say thank you to uh, your computer voice for filling in uh, when, oh. uh, when I was away. No problem. What? Um, your computer voice just said race around the world with like 17 hours. Oh, the British guy. Oh, he's a friend of mine. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah sorry. He's, really, he's, he's, in the, he's, a, he's an old buddy. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Spezzo. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> uh, the WRC, the World Rally Championship, is in and around Algaro, Italy for the Rally Italia. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Rally Italia Sard- <laughs> Sardeg- Sardegna? Sardegna. Sure. I'm going with Sardegna. Sardegna. I'll Sardegna. win on a, on a vacation Sardegna. to Sardegna. <laughs> Formula E is in the streets of Berlin, Germany. Of Jeez. Berlin, Germany. That's not fair. They don't do one for like two months and then like three of them back to back. Yeah, I'm like four races behind. So dumb. Uh, and this is a double header. This is the Saturday first of three double headers. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, MotoGP is at the Circuit de Barcelona, Catalunya in Montmelo, Barcelona, Catalunya. Catalunya. For the Grand Premi Monster Energy de Catalunya. <laughs> Uh, the World Rally Cross Championship is at Lankibanen Circuit 
in hell norway hell yes i wouldn't have thought hell was in norway it's pretty cold up there yeah there you go uh, these are the jokes, fellas. I like how you said rally cross chat. It's like Street Fighter cross Tekken. Yes, rally rally cross cross F one. <laughs> yeah. Um, you get you can throw a quarter circle with. I, I don't know. Imagine point to point races in rally courses with F one cars. That'd be so tragic. I mean, that's kind of no grip. That's kind of what <laughs> hill climb reminds me of. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you look at those things and it's just, they're just beasts. That's my favorite thing to do in like, like project cars is to like push like, like F1 cars onto, I mean, you, they limited it a little bit, but I just love like putting like the go-karts on an F1 track. So it takes forever to get around <laughs> or putting an F1 tra- F1 cars on like the, the like California route one thing. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like slowing down for these hill climbs all the time. It's great. I think Red Bull's got your back because they did like those F1 car on a snowy peak or whatever. Oh, yeah. That was cool. Those guys are running out of ideas. <laughs> uh, t- okay. So, yes, World Rally Cross Championship is uh, in Hell, Norway for the Team Verkstead World Rally Cross of Norway. British Touring Car Championship is at Croft Circuit. Oh, Croft. Near Dalton on Tees. Oh, it's in Laura, Laura's back garden. Practically the most British town I've ever heard of. Dalton Wait, on Tees. Dalton on Tees. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. It's in North Yorkshire, England, United Kingdom. Ermagerd, North Yorkshire. <laughs> IndyCar is at the Texas Motor Speedway in Fort Worth, Texas for the Rain Guard Water Sealers 600. There you go. Uh, the NHRA is at the Old Bridge Township Raceway Park in English Town, New Jersey for the Summer Nationals. <laughs> Found an old bridge. We're going to race across it. <laughs> Camping World Truck is at the nice. Texas Motor Speedway in Fort Worth, Texas. Also, It's all happening uh, in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the winstaronlinegaming.com 400. Ooh, Counter-Strike skins. <laughs> uh, what? No, definitely not. Okay. And Danny. Yes, Drew. A NASCAR. Where we He's going? back. Fort Worth, Texas. Nope. <laughs> this one was a fake. Oh, no. I led you into a false sense of security with oh, my... Oh, it's in Canada, isn't it? Nope. It's in Pocono. <laughs> Which is just fun to say, as is the Tricky Triangle. Oh, my God. The other, the other name for the Pocono Raceway. But it's in Long Pond, Pennsylvania. Oh, my for, God. For, guess what? The Pocono 400. <laughs> Pocono. Mm-hmm. Pocono is wonderful. I've been there. It's a weird, what, the place and the name? The, both. The both? What's in Pocono? The, uh, there's a lake. Where okay, you can is go. it Lake Pocono? Uh. Yeah, the yes, yes. <laughs> My friend Ethan's going to be so mad at me for not knowing this. Uh, Formula po- One. Pokemon sounds like a knockoff Pokemon, I was going to say. <laughs> wow. It Fighting does. words. Yeah. Uh, Formula One, Danny, starts Friday, June 9th at 7 a.m. That's free practice one. Yep. And 11 a.m. These are Pacific times, by the way. 11 a.m. on Friday is Free Practice 2. That will be on NBC Sports Network. Free Practice mm. 3 will be Saturday, June 10th at 7 a.m. on the NBC Sports Network app. And mm. qualifying same day, 
uh, at 10 a.m. on CNBC. Wow. And finally, The Race, Sunday, June 11th at 11 a.m. Pacific time on NBC. So we mm. have run the full gamut of NBC properties, yeah. uh, the app, NBC Sports Network, CNBC, and NBC Regular. So if you're one of those people that uh, has never actually seen a race and just listens to the podcast because you don't have a super special uh, cable package or whatever, uh, this race is on NBC, which you can get OTA. Over, over the air? The air. Yep. Get wow. your ears out. Let's just run down the driver standings for a second yes. here. Sebastian Vettel on top with 129. Lewis <sighs> Hamilton in second with 104. Botas has 75. Raikkonen with 67. Ricardo with 52. Verstappen with 45. Sergio Perez, 34. Sainz, 25. Massa, 20. Ocon, 19 in 10th place. Hulkenberg <sighs> with 14th, uh, or 14 points. Uh, Grosjean with 9. Magnussen with 5. Verline and Kafiat have four. Palmer, Erickson, Stroll, uh, Alonzo, Van Dorn, and Antonio Giovinazzi have zero. Esteban Akana's 19 points. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Yeah. He's If there's an open seat in a team next year, he's having such a good year. Those, those Force India boys, I think uh, Monaco was the first time that neither driver scored points this right. year. So they're it's just... Amazing. But they're actually in the, here. Let me do the the teams. Ferrari's got one ninety six, uh, Mercedes has one seventy nine, Red Bull's got ninety seven, and Force India's in fourth place with fifty three. Toro Rosso's got twenty nine, Williams has twenty, Renault and Haas are both tied at fourteen. Sauber's got four, and McLaren has guess Force what? Force India, yeah, Force to be reckoned with. Stick it to emails. Do it. F one dot cool slash emails. Oh my god! Till we get our so emails. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this one comes in from Joseph. Subject, Ice Yo, Speedway. Okay, I'm interested. Hello, Danny and Drew. Hello, Joseph. Yo, Joe. I know you are just inundated with motorsports, but here's the new one I came across today. Ice Speedway, which involves motorcycles with spiked tires and <sighs> no brakes. Racing on icy tracks, probably converted ice rinks or some such. The premise is quite wild, and the sport is quite Slavic. Ice uh, lots Speedway. Of videos on YouTube, such as this one, which I will link. It's it's crazy. Oh my um, god, I'm watching it. Yeah. I'm watching a montage of crashes. What? Don't do that. That's what came up first. Well. Oh my god, are they going in circles? Yes. Okay. It's like, it looks like sport track, uh, yes. speed skating sized rinks. Yeah, it, it but does. They're riding gigantic. They look like they're modified somehow, and I guess they wouldn't have to be, to, you know, have wheels with spikes on them. This is a silly sport, and I love it. Oh yeah, I will. Oh I will put God. a link that he sent uh, in the uh, in the show notes. It looks like they're constantly losing grip. <laughs> like yeah, they're in a constant state of not grip. <laughs> it's like uh, dirt track. Like they're they're skidding the whole time. Right. It's like. Did you ever modify Grand Theft Auto Four so it gets rid of traction? No. Yeah, it's amazing. That sounds. Everything just slipping around is amazing. Oh wow! Look at that. Yeah, that's impressive. Uh, this next one comes in from Megan, and she requests that I read the subject like this. Red Bull Camper Racing! <laughs> uh, one of the best parts of this video is that essentially the only audio is Daniel's laugh. I hope the rivalry between these two never gets to the point of preventing gems like this. And then she links to a YouTube video of Daniel Ricardo and Max Verstappen racing cars, towing camper trailers. Oh my god. 
uh, around, I think, the Red Bull ring and <laughs> just destroying them in the process. <laughs> it's fantastic. Those guys, they, they look like they're actually having a lot of fun. Like, this, this doesn't look like something they did just for sponsor sponsor stuff. Yeah. They just, they look like fun dudes to hang out with. Even when they've had like a little bit of rub ups, like fighting for, for podium positions and stuff, uh, they seem like they still get on afterwards, which I hope, like I really, really hope that continues. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, they, they, yes, they seem like, uh, racers, racers, like they mm. can leave it all on the track and then come back and, and, and be fine. Have a couple of tinnies. Yeah. <laughs> We'll get to Toonies. Uh, Andrew uh, writes in with a message. He shoots, he scores, and then a link to Kimi Raikkonen uh, in what appears to be a charity <laughs> yeah. soccer match or something, yeah. scoring oh, three goals. Yeah, a hat trick. A hat trick. Yeah. So we'll Amazing. link that as well. And you may even see a, a small smile from... You might, yeah. And Vettel's playing with him as well. They're They're both up front. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Daniel from Arkansas, uh, Arkansas. on the subject of a, uh, NASCAR slash camping world truck event he went to. It's a little long, so I've edited it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, Daniel says, dear Drew and Danny, thanks to my dad getting me quite the gift for me getting my Eagle Scout. Congrats, Ooh. Daniel. Jeez-y. Uh, I went to the truck race, uh, in Texas, which if I haven't mentioned before, I think I have. I love that people just abbreviate Camping World Truck to Truck. Truck. Like, yeah. Capital T. <laughs> uh, and it was an experience like I'd never had before. What I discovered was that whenever all three series are there, which you've got uh, NASCAR Monster Energy Series, which is the main one, the Xfinity Series, which is the uh, junior NASCAR, and then Camping World Truck, uh, the trucks end up getting the short end of the stick. Mm-hmm. Their garage was really just a parking lot that was used the next day for fans to park their cars before the Xfinity race on Saturday. I was able to meet driver William Byron, who at the time was a hot rookie sensation in the trucks. He was nice, and we talked for a little bit about how he got into racing and that sort of stuff. My dad and William's dad talked a lot as well throughout the day watching qualifying for Xfinity and practice for the Cup, uh, as well as the truck activities. I have no idea how much warm-up the Formula One boys do, but it was interesting watching the tire carriers and other pit crew members up and down pit road uh, do various forms of warming up for a pit stop, (laughs) which got me thinking, like, what... I wonder what they, I, there's a great, I, I think we've linked to it before. There's a great video that like, detailing what every person on the crew, yeah. the pit stop crew does in formula one. Um, but what I don't, I don't get a sense of, uh, is what their day jobs are. Like they're right. not just, I'm assuming they're like the mechanics to yes. build I, the car and design it. Maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, that was my understanding was that that's what most of those guys are but not maybe not all because perhaps the Venn diagram that you know it doesn't you might have a very good mechanic who's not maybe as spry as some of the younger guys but right yeah that was my understanding was that a bunch of them are yeah guys who work on the car already but when you're interviewing for that job you've got to have like technical prowess but also be fairly physically fit like it's yeah kind or, of a- or maybe just like you don't buckle under pressure Mm, yeah like maybe they can just like muscle memory that stuff into your brain you know because there's not like each of them doesn't have much of a job like removing a tire and putting a tire on that's like that's it tire off tire on that's right practice that over and over and over and over and over yeah and they only do it once per race i guess not like nascar where it's you know much more physical i suppose Mm. i saw a guy uh i think it was i think i was watching indy 
and he was he took the tire off and then like threw it behind him with one arm. <laughs> Jeez. So I don't know what these like guys back into the garage. I think over the wall. Oh wow! Jeez. Yeah. So I would I would love to know what what Formula One pit crew warm ups are like. Like, mm. do the tire guys only do back squats? Is that <laughs> do they only need to work out the muscles they're using? Yeah, I'd love to know that. Uh, while William didn't get the win, it was still a very nice experience, and I got to fulfill a dream of getting onto pit road and watching the race from the infield, which is ironically awesome. louder than the grandstands. That's cool. I wonder if it's louder because it like all the sound is being reflected back at you. Yeah, or you can hear all of us because you're like equally close to everything. That's yeah, good call. Uh, keep up the work. Love the podcast, Daniel. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Daniel. Great name. Uh, this email comes in from, I, I don't usually say last names, but he signed using his last name and it's so great. Uh, Eric Van Klinken. Oh, that's great. Van Klinken. He isn't says, that the, wasn't that in World of Warcraft? Wasn't that the guy who had the, who had the, the bandit camp in, in Elven Forest? Is it Van, Van Cleef? I think it might be Van Cleef. Van, Van, uh, yeah. Uh, subject, the green hell. Dear shifters. Ugh. You missed the best race of all the events on the Indy Monaco Mayhem weekend of motorsport. Oh, the no. 24 hours of the Nürburgring. Nürburgring. Nürburgring, the Nürburgring. The final one hour and 40 minutes is well worth watching, showing the business end of a day-to-night-to-day test of endurance that eventually came down to two Audis from different teams and a BMW. Last year's edition had a pass for the lead on the final lap, and in 2017, rain was forecast in the late afternoon, setting the stage for another close finish. Would it rain? Would the cars hold out? Emotions ran high. Cars were battered and bruised, and, spoiler alert, someone eventually won. (laughs) I did watch a bit of it, actually, because it was streaming on YouTube, yeah. They just Uh, had it on YouTube. Yeah, he he links to uh, to the YouTube um, thing archive here. Yeah. Archive, yeah. Uh, he says the circuit layout is my personal favorite iteration of the Nurburgring, featuring a slightly faster version of the Grand Prix circuit and the terrifying twelve miles of the Nordschleife. Mm. It is too tough for modern F one cars, featuring dro- jaw dropping turns, dramatic descents, stupidly long straights, and hordes of middle aged, half naked Germans. In short, it's unlike anything else on the planet. It's such a ridiculous configuration. They have that that read the, the like super long straight that like if an F one car lost it there would like good night Irene, and it has like so many of those banked turns that you just like no F one car would be able to take any you know they'd need so much speed to stick to the bank but they can't get any speed because of the, it's all just bank turns. I was right. watching a bunch. Of, weirdly enough, it might have been off of that. I forget, but about a week ago, I was watching a bunch of um. There's this guy who, like, works on... uh, He's, like, a marshal for Nürburgring, like, either races or, like, packed open days. Uh, So he's just a flag waver, basically. Um, But he sets up a camera. And so you get to watch a bunch of people who are, like... Some are, like, amateur drivers, and some of them are just, like, actual people just off the street. um, Like, losing control and trying to get it back. on, And it, it, it really, like epitomizes or like shows you how difficult it is to race on racetracks <laughs> that like wow. you kind of forget because we watch like you know professionals all the time doing this yeah. um but he's got like so many videos like basically just like a camera locked off on these things and then he moves it when something happens it's pretty cool i i would love to get into uh, the world endurance championship but mm. um to get into it, it to yeah. race in it 
No, no. I mean, to, as as a spectator, it, it seems like the series mm. that puts hair on your chest. Right. You know, like you yeah. are a if you like the WEC, you are a race a capital R race fan. <laughs> uh, but it's just so much. Yeah. And if I recall, the app uh, that you use to to watch it is um, uh, leaves things to be desired. Right. Uh, it is not as near as slick as like something like MotoGP's. And uh, mm. I don't think it even remembered my position last time I tried it. All right. Which like, you know, you watch it for, you know, two hours and then come back and you have to remember where you were. Yeah. Anyway, um, I don't know. Maybe a few years down the line when I've learned a lot more. Mm. Uh, and finally, we got some uh, some emails helping you out, Danny. Oh. Uh, on the subject of tinnies. Oh, yes, please, please. Uh, Liam, from, <laughs> Liam from Western Australia Tell says, me uh, not so much a correction, but an affirmation. Danny's use of the term tinny was correct. It refers Hooray. to a can of beer. Hooray! Uh, and Will writes in, uh, just want to let you know Danny wasn't going crazy or making things up. A tinny is a real thing here in Australia. Uh, the term can be used to refer to a can of beer or, more confusingly, a small aluminum boat with an outboard motor. <laughs> That's what I've been talking about this whole time. This also I means I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it, but I'm actually talking about boats. <laughs> this also means you can use the phrase "sink some tinnies in the sinking tinny" <laughs> and have it make perfect sense. Oh, I love sinking some tinnies while I'm sinking in the tinny. And if, finally, if there's any other uh, Australian words I should know, please send them in. Obscu- <laughs> obscure ones that are accurate, please only. <laughs> uh, Carl from Christchurch writes in finally. Ooh. New Zealand. Uh, Christchurch, New Zealand, says, Hey guys, hearing Danny talk about a tinny, I thought I should fill him in on what a tinny is in New Zealand. A Ooh. tinny is an ounce of marijuana wrapped in tin foil. That's what I was really talking about. <laughs> this is usually That's sold for Smoking 20 a tinny while having some tinnies on my sinking tinny. You can buy this at a tinny house. <laughs> uh, wow. Thanks, Carl. It's just the many ways that Australia, the many subtle ways that Australia and New Zealand are different. Yes. That's a different night out on the tinnies. (laughs) (laughs) That is it for emails. Uh, Again, you can hit us up at f1.cool slash emails. We are also on Twitter. Follow at Shift F1 Podcast for show updates and any fun F1 stuff we run across. I am at Drew Scanlon. I'm at Danny O'Dwyer. Uh, Shouts out this week to Sean Puncombe on Twitter, who sent us a supercut of McLaren Honda's mechanical failures, saying, this video sure is something. And you're right. It's like, how long is it? It's, let's see. Uh, yes, it is over nine minutes long. And it's just McLaren Honda engines conking out. Oh my so gosh. thank you. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Sean. Uh, and also shout out to Mike Gildia, a.k.a. Decoder Otter, for sending along this real pretty shot of Nico Hulkenberg uh, in his Renault that a, a photographer tweeted. Ooh. And it's... It's a top-down shot of his car. I'll, I'll link this as well. And uh, it's got that, you know, great yellow banding on the Renault. Yes. And the rest of it is black. And he's racing along a uh, yellow line oh, that's going right I've underneath this. his it's car. so good. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. It's, it's super great. Uh, so I'll link that too. Uh, as always, you can find our show notes on f1.cool, along with how to subscribe via RSS, iTunes, Google Play, and wherever podcasts are sold. Uh, until next time, I am Drew Scanlon. I'm Daniel Dwyer. Uh, if you'd like to support us, we are both on Patreon. I am at uh, patreon.com slash cloth map. I am at patreon.com slash Daniel Dwyer. 
Uh, you got anything else, Danny? No, I guess I'll see you at E3. We're going to record the next podcast in, in LA face-to-face. We couldn't get together in the Bay Area today, but <laughs> right. we'll fly hundreds of miles to be together next week. Indeed we will. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week.